I've got some notes. Welcome to Geeks Without God with Nick Glover, Tim Wick, and Molly Glover. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We don't recognize moral authority. We don't accept divine superiority. We're geeks, geeks without God. This week on Geeks Without God, we talk about the new Bloomhouse horror movie, The Black Phone, adapted from the short story by Joe Hill. Cargill wrote it. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, geeks without God. Hi, welcome to Geeks Without God. I'm your host, Nick Glover, joined as always by my co-hosts, Molly Glover. It's me, Molly Glover. Ring, ring. And Tim Wick. The phone is coming from inside your house. (laughs) And this episode, we're going to talk about the new horror movie, The Black Phone. Um, It's uh, co-written by friend of the show, uh, C. Robert Cargill, or just, you know, Cargill. And uh, and we're going to spoil it. So if you don't want this movie ruined for you... Now would be a good time to stop, but yeah. I will say that Molly has read the short story this is based on, yeah. and she told me all about it long before I saw the movie, and I feel like that didn't ruin my experience at all. No, I don't think this is one of those ones where if you find out what happens, you won't enjoy it. It's not It's not a, a, a twisty mystery with a plot like reveal or anything like right. that. It's just a solid fucking horror movie man yeah. like a real solid horror real movie. solid yarn yeah yeah, yeah. so Which, as you may not i don't know if you know but like me saying this is solid fucking horror is like some of the highest yeah. praise i give so your, <laughs> this is your shit yeah so you've, you've had your warning uh let's talk about the black phone black phone is uh, uh you know so molly and i are like the perfect ages for child abduction stuff when we were kids, like yeah, that was like in the, the, 80s. the big fear in the late seventies and early eighties. And like in Minnesota, we had Jacob Wetterling go missing and stuff uh-huh. like that. Like it was, I feel, and so this movie takes place in 78 and it's all about the grabber. Yeah. Tim, when you, when you were a kid, cause you were a kid in like the late seventies, right? Yeah. Was there a lot of fear of you, of kidnap? I think so. I mean, that was, that was a, it was it was a regular thing, the whole stranger danger talk yeah. and stuff like that. Did you have a password with your parents so that like if they were gonna send someone to pick you up, they had to know the password or something? No, we didn't do that. That's Although that was that, a great idea. That is a That's, thing that kids of our yeah. generation definitely had. Like yeah. my my mom used to would say, if, no, if anyone ever comes and says I'm a friend of your mom's from work, she's in the hospital and I'm here to get you, they will know the password. Yeah. Which I was like, well, what if you were unconscious and you didn't know the password to give it to them? And she was like, just. Just, stop just trust me. Yeah. Just trust me. Yeah. yeah. Stop. Stop asking for all the all the what ifs. I uh. So the the child the grabber the child abductor is uh, Ethan Hawke. And it's just called the grabber. We never know his name. Yeah, I love that. And Tim, so just one more thing. You saw this movie in December I because did. Cargill, I saw it in December because Cargill had it to show you all as part of your your movie thing that you our do. winter thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So did it did it have a full score and effects? Was it yeah. was it final at yeah, that point? Yeah, it, it was a final cut because this was going to release in February, right? And then they they moved it to to June. Yeah, okay. and I mean it I. Like like when he showed it to us, it was either right before he showed it to us or right after he showed it to us that they had made the decision to move it to June, which shows a certain level of confidence in the studio, right? They yeah. moved it mm-hmm. to a summer release. It was not going up against anything really major. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. going up against a Marvel movie or anything. Right. I think it won the weekend, didn't it? 
I think so. Yeah, yeah. like seventy-seven million or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it, it's gonna it's gonna break a hundred mil. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so the grabber, Ethan Hawke, is great. He, is yeah, scary. Uh, is I I uh I like it in stories when they don't tell us everything and they don't show us everything and they don't explain everything. Yeah, and things are just better left unexplained, like Highlander, yeah. right? Yep. Or like we didn't, so we don't know. We never find out. Uh, what his motivations are like was we, we can suspect maybe he was abused as a child but maybe not his brother seems fine so like his brother seems pretty normal and not like you know a I mean obsessed killer. with serial killers sure and, than that. Well, and you know like a little, maybe this. a little heavy on the cocaine yeah and, yeah but it's 1978 yeah. you know like, everybody guy, everybody on, was using cocaine in 78 yeah. I was using cocaine in 78 <laughs> 11 years old just sucking that sucking stuff up I it's didn't like, know I was, it was literally my mouth I had no idea how to how to use cocaine but, but for yeah. real for real though like they, they don't do a whole like a lot of times with horror uh, especially with serial killer stuff uh, books and movies, they always end up doing this whole thing where it's like the tortured backstory oh, yeah. of this serial killer to humanize this killer to you so that you actually are like, oh, but the reason he's killing nurses is because one time a nurse was mean to him. Mm-hmm. Or like, oh, the reason he's killing women with brown hair and blue eyes is because his mom had brown hair and or, blue eyes. Or yeah, go, go criminal minds on the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, even just kind of like the alienist angle where it's like, this obsession with serial killers and even if it's not to humanize them, it's, you know, the understand serial killer that. is like the, the main character in a sense. Yeah, we want, to, we want to understand why they do it, right? It's not even to, again, not even to make them yeah. Uh, yeah. sympathize with them, but it's like, I want to understand what made this person yeah. do this, what I consider to be crazy ass shit. Yeah. There was a, um, and we'll talk about the black phone. There's a film called The January Man starring uh, Kevin Klein, which is mm. not a great movie. Not a great movie, <laughs> but I enjoy it anyway because I enjoy Kevin Klein. And one of the big things in that movie is a serial killer who is never in the film and we don't know his motivation. He just kills people. Oh, he's he's yep. nobody. It's yep. not like at the end you're like, oh, it was the police chief yeah, all yeah. along. They it was just, just like know. some, some random dude. And that's really who ser- yeah. serial killers are. And mm-hmm. that's what the black phone is doing, right? It's it's some random dude. Yep. The the two things they say about the grabber in the movie that, that made me so curious about him that we get no explanation for are um, we know that at least in some point in his life, the grabber heard the phone. Mm-hmm. And he blames static electricity. And one of the kid ghosts says something about he, he hears says, the phone sometimes. He can hear it, but he doesn't believe it. I love that. Says. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. No explanation whatsoever, yeah. but but like I love it. And then him talking about the creepy basement or the the soundproofing of the basement and that sort of thing. Again, that might hint to like him also mm-hmm. have been abused or something down there. But like that's really speculative. Well, and especially since he owns that house and he owns the house across the street. Right. So it makes it feel like probably neither of those was his childhood home. This just feels like something he did. I also like that we don't know what he does to the boys. Mm-mm. Like it is it. You don't know if it's sexual or not. You don't know what he does. He doesn't threaten specific action. He says, I'm going to hurt you, and it's going to hurt a lot when he's, like, right. mad at him because he didn't. he's not playing the game. We know there's the belt, and you can see the wounds on the kids. Yep, and you know the, the kids, and but the kids, the ghost kids, don't remember what happened to right. them either. All they remember was that it was real bad, and they want to get him out. So, like, you don't, there's not this, it's, it's this super scary 
creepy, like dread-filled movie that doesn't give all these gory details to yeah. like tantalize. It's not like he, oh, he cut all my skin off and then he, you know, he raped me and then he did this. And it's none of that. You just don't know, which makes it scarier, I think. And then, so the then we have the protagonist um, who is... Uh, played by like Mason Thames, I think. I, I know it's I'm almost honest. all unknown kids in this. Yeah, I, n- right? I didn't recognize any no, of them. I don't not, know. Tim, you watch more movies no, than I us. But I did didn't you recognize any of them? Yeah. yeah. And and uh, like all all the kids in this are really great. I felt, but like th- this this kid is you know got these ghosts talking to him, and he this kid might be special. It seems his like sister's special. His sister's special. She's she has psychic dreams. For sure. And it sounds like their mom was was potentially special or just crazy. Or Who just crazy. Say? Um, yeah, I, I loved his sister, Gwen. Uh, she's great in the book, in, or in the story, I should say, because it's a very short story. Uh, but she was just phenomenal in the movie. Just the way she talks to the cops, the way she is like, she's so sassy. And, and which is such a departure because you find out that, you know, their dad is so physically abusive and that the kids are you know, terrified to make any sounds they show in the morning getting right. ready, like really afraid of making any noise, which also then is like very subtly shown when uh, the kidnapped kid, whose name I can't remember, uh, the protagonist, his oh, character. Oh, you know what? I totally just um, forgot. Uh, I just spaced it. It's kind of an my brain just fin- keeps saying I, My brain keeps saying Finny. Finny. Yeah, Finny. Yeah. It's Finny. It's like three characters I've read recently named Finn. It's funny. Yeah. Um, he, he, uh, he is being very quiet when he needs to move through the house past the sleeping grabber. Oh. And it's like, you can, you'd, I, in my head, I was like, oh shit, of course, he's super good at this uh-huh. because he's had to creep around his passed out drunk asshole dad all the time. And they don't ever say that. Right. He doesn't flash back to that or, oh. or like, or any, they just, he they just show is. It. He just is. Yeah. And you just have to like, you either, you either pick it up on your, or you, you don't until later. It's, it's neat. You know, that, that kind of reminds me of like a less clumsy um, signs, the Shyamalan oh, sure. movie signs, where there's all these kind of like mousetrap game of mousetrap things mm-hmm. that are being set up one by one that all eventually mm-hmm. lead to this, you know, rapid series of events being just so perfect that that mm-hmm. there's a, a, a good ending or whatever that there's the same thing happens in this where mm-hmm. it's it just so happens that he is the kid with the abusive father who's stealthy and, and it just so happens that all the other kids have made all these little inroads and made progress in getting away to help right yeah. but it wasn't without all of them it was like each and he's the first one that can hear the phone at least that's the it's the implication he's the first one I think can one hear of the, the kids phone. said they yeah. they talked to me too but they didn't it wasn't enough or something or oh, like I, I think one of the kids talks about hearing the phone for sure yeah but i don't i don't yeah. remember anything more more about yeah maybe way. i'm remembering from the story but yeah yeah it was really cool, like the when it, when eventually was like that. Like you're saying the mouse trap thing, where it was yeah. like, and then he you know he trips over the cord that the one kid pulled free, and then he falls into the hole that yeah. they managed to dig, and like you know, and just the all the little things. The stake for the dog was mm-hmm. like I I couldn't see where that one was leading. When and, he dug through the freezer, yes, mm-hmm. yeah, I love that. And the the sister that you're uh, talking about, Gwen, um, Gwen she 
reminded me so much of both like Lyanna Mormont from Game of Thrones yeah. or uh, the young Leia in Kenobi, mm-hmm. where just like uh, a younger girl who doesn't really have any time for uh, f- adults being fucking nonsense. Check mm-hmm. out our episode about Obi-Wan Kenobi coming next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Molly, you read the short story. Yeah. How, what are some differences? I honestly don't think there were any. The short story is very short. Uh, it, just, it, no, for real. More. That's the thing. Yeah, this just expands on it. That's the beauty of when, when Cargill said, we're doing Joe Hill's Black Phone, I was like, fuck, that's perfect because it's not very long. Right. And that is, that is like, I think that is the, the beauty of an adaptation is if you can take something short and turn it into a feature film, length film because you're able to flesh out a lot of things that maybe were like, I think we talked about this on Coming Home. One of the most brutal scenes in this movie, because there is, I will tell you right now, if you haven't seen it, and maybe you're this far, but there's, there's, there's a content warning for child abuse in this movie. Oh, yeah. There is a brutal beating of a child in this movie a by an adult man oh. where she is, I mean, she is crying and sobbing and like, it is really bad. And I have a feeling that that is like a throwaway line in the story. Right. Something along the lines of, you know, you know, one time their dad beat Gwen so bad she couldn't sit down for a week. Just like, you know, and so it's a throwaway line in a book that gets turned into something so visceral, you know, and so you can expand on things like that. And that I don't remember there being anything in the story that wasn't in the book, except for maybe a little bit more with the black balloons. The black balloons were a big part of how they were, how the cops were trying to solve things. Sure. They were trying to see who sold black balloons, like who bought black balloons, because the black balloons are something someone saw. Right. Um, The magician stuff was hit a little harder uh, in the story about him being this like magician thing. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, like that's how he gets the kids. Like we saw how that he gets the kids right away right and so a lot of it was trying to figure that out and so the the police had a bigger role i feel like in the story than they did in the movie which you know i'm fine with that (laughs) i kind of love how the cops are just like we got nothing and this little girl says she's got something so i guess so right (laughs) might as well try it yeah so um cargill talked a little bit Mm. about about this film when i was when i was uh hanging out with him after we watched it and honestly you know, it's funny because apparently it started Scott Derrickson, his co-writer and the director of the film, who in all the in, in, uh, stuff that I watched on the Internet to just refresh my memory of this film because I hadn't watched it since December. Uh, everybody said that Scott Derrickson wrote it and nobody <laughs> nobody mentioned Jeez. Cargill. Um, maybe, maybe there's somebody out there who mentioned it, but it was everybody's always like Scott Derrickson, writer R- and director. Writer, director like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but uh what Cargill said is it started out as Scott wanting to tell a story of his childhood mm. in Denver, because I believe the movie's set in Denver. I mm-hmm. think that's right. Um, and kind of wanting to make his, you know, Stand By Me mm. movie. Oh, mm-hmm. sure. You know, and I got to say, when Cargill was telling me this, I'm like, I would not have given a shit yeah. about another movie about some white kid growing up in a suburb. Sure, um, sure. It, it, it's... It's kind of cool that what happened is he wanted to tell that story and then they got hooked into wanting to do Black Phone. And I think Cargo was the one who brought it up and said, mm. look at this story. I think we could do this story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they took some of the stuff that Scott wanted to do mm. about his childhood ah. and they used that to fill in. 
well, no, the that story. Makes, now that makes me wonder if the some of the abuse stuff isn't in the story. I don't know. I got to go back and now reread it. I haven't read it for a couple of years. Or like the the bullies, because that's the other real. The yeah, bullies. the bullies yeah. feels like the part that the yeah, is. yeah, the real rough child violence that we see as the kids mm-hmm, just beat the mm-hmm. shit out of Finney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And you know, I as we say, I'm not a huge horror fan, but this yeah. is the kind of horror I like because it's not. It's not like a bunch of jump scares. There were some. But there were there some. are some, but it's not like every five minutes there's mm-hmm. a jump scare, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a bunch of gore. Mm-hmm. It is it is psychological horror, and I like psychological horror. I like being really concerned about what's going to happen next, and then it fucking happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I I think it also it's a little bit of a thriller as well, right? Because it is it is horror, but what you really want to do, what you're really hoping is either the cops are going to find this kid yeah. or this kid's going to escape. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, something that I loved about this that's really unique, I think, that people will come away with uh, remembering specifically, similar to uh, Insidious, how if you ask people who've seen Insidious, which I love that movie, I did not, I, I uh, saw that long before I ever knew Cargill. So it was very exciting when I, I met you mean him. Sinister? I, Sinister, thank okay. you, not Insidious. Yeah. They came out around the same time and they, they, they mean <laughs> practically the same thing. Sinister. Um, in Sinister, like it's very hard to forget the, the home tape scene with the family being hung at the same time. With the but with the branch tree tree branch rising and yeah. lifting them off, you know, there's some scenes in that that are very like iconic. Uh, I feel uh, if you say like, oh, it's the one with Ethan Hawke with the tapes in the attic, everyone's like, oh fuck yeah yeah yeah, that was scary. Mm-hmm. This has the masks for the grabber, oh, which yeah. are just astonishingly cool. It is a, it looks like it's either carved out of wood or made out of some kind of ceramic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it is it is a two part mask that has multiple faces faces. So like there's the top part that just has the eyes and the eyebrow and the nose, but then the bottom but it, it cuts in half and the bottom part has three expressions completely blank, like upturned mouth and downturned mouth. And it was so a smile. Fucking cool. Yeah, upturned a smile, okay, whatever. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so fucking cool how they showed him they showed him with Top half off, bottom half on. Bottom half off, top half on. All of the different expressions. And Ethan Hawke did a great job with the mask work, which is yeah. not easy to do as an actor. Uh, certainly not on film. In theater, even, you can use more your whole body and your presence in the theater. But doing it just on film, it was he, he was able to convey a lot with, with his mask, which yeah, is really Yeah, he did a really good. great job. And, and um, I saw an interview with Ethan um, in which he said, you know, the mask informed the uh, the uh, attitude mm-hmm. of of the killer, but he didn't always know exactly how mm. um, when he was going into the scene. Um, which is, you know, that's good. He he let he let the mask kind of help him help him become the character, which Neat. is really cool. Apparently, and again, this is a, a story that um, that I heard from Cargill is that they approached Ethan to play the dad. Oh, oh the, the part that uh, uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Davies. Davies played, yeah. And uh, he was like, no, I want to be the killer. Oh. <laughs> so. Good for him, because he was the villain in uh, Moon, Knight. Uh, Moon Knight, and he yeah. did a great job with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And summer so, for Ethan Yeah, Hawk. Yeah, I, I really... Uh, 
I really liked the way he played the grabber. A lot of times it's very easy to play a serial killer as very brash and angry or whatever, or they go the other direction and he's he's very silly and he does oh, kind right. of a like kind of like um Manic. how Hot Priest plays Moriarty and Sherlock, right? Oh sure, like just a little crazy around the edges and like a little effeminate maybe and a little you know. This was great. Uh, Ethan Hawke's grabber is soft spoken, mm. but not like. You know, in a not in like a an, an affected way. He's just soft. He just seems like a soft-spoken guy, and he seems very reasonable. Like he's like, look, look, I, I want to get you home. You know, I'm really sorry, but this is just how it's gonna be. You know, and he's and when he, even when he gets mad, his his anger, he seems almost afraid of it, and he he leaves right away. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. We never see him yeah. hit Finny. We never see him like throw anything or like or 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 he just he he seems afraid of his own persona that is doing this stuff. Right. His former victims talk about the was it the bad boy game? The or bad. Something? He wants you. To, he wants you to be. Yeah. You're not. He playing, wants you're to not be being bad, a bad boy. so he can punish you. Yes, and you're right. not playing the game. There's rules there, and until you are bad, he cannot punish you. And yep. there is frustration and relief. Yeah, it would seem. And he seemed so, like when he's in his clothes, which they dressed him kind of schlubby, you know, in that 70s mm-hmm. beige kind of, but when he's in his clothes, he seemed really slight and stooped and he didn't, and then you see him with his shirt off when he's waiting at the top yeah. of the stairs for Finn to come up and you're like, oh shit, this dude is like, he's solid. Like yeah. he's, I wouldn't say ripped, but like he is like a slab of muscle and yeah. he looks like, he looks like he could do some serious damage. Fuck up a kid. Yeah. yeah. And so there's just this like transformation of his character when you see him with that shirt off and you're like, oh, oh, okay, this is a dangerous guy. Which help ex- helps explain why like Finney's friend is a good fighter. Mm-hmm. And you would think if he was going up against the schlub, might be able to right? hold his own and maybe, maybe get out. It's like, well, he's not so yep. much of a schlub, is he? Yeah, but, yeah. Tim, you're talking about the jump scares and I just remember that was something that I, I really liked about this is that... I don't I don't innately dislike jump scares but like they reset the tension they reset the mm-hmm. the the scariness of the the creeping horror mm-hmm. that's happening right there and I like I'm not really a sucker for them. There was definitely once or twice where I like had, was taking a sip of a drink and like <laughs> happened to be caught at the wrong moment by something happening. And I was like, Oh <laughs> shit. Good job. Like yeah. that was like, I, I really appreciated them and the way they were done in there. And I, that's not always the case. Sometimes mm-hmm. they feel cheap and mm-hmm. they always felt really planned and deliberate. I loved it. I did. I did like too the, 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 the cool kid, uh, the, the one that, that Finn's friend who was yeah. the, 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 the penultimate uh, victim, the martial arts uh, kid. I guess the last victim, actually. Yeah, the martial arts kid. Because when they're all like, at first you're like, oh, this is going to be this kid that he. I feel like it's the only kid a crush on him, but maybe it's just meant to be idolatry. You know, idolizes sure, yeah. him. But at first you're like, oh, here's going to be just another bully. He's going to be another kid who's too cool for him or whatever. But no, he was like a genuine, yeah. friendly, nice guy. Like a lot of times, it's so easy in these like nostalgia when we were kids movies to make it like oh and then the cool guy was also a dick everyone was a dick to me you know yeah they actually uh you know you don't meet you you meet two of the victims right because you mm -hmm. meet one of them right at the beginning of the Mm -hmm. baseball game but even that kid it's like he comes up to the comes up to finney after the game he's like good game you You almost had me yeah it's like there's there's there there's no antagonism with that kid just the bullies yeah just the bullies so so he's got sort of a camaraderie with all these victims. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it, it was really, 
and and they shoot it in kind of this muted color palette, yeah. which, mm-hmm. which very seventies. Yeah, but it, it also makes things kind of bleak. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. I really liked too when uh, the kids, because the kids don't, the ghost kids don't know their names anymore. It's fading, basically. Like everything about them is really fading. They're having a hard time holding on to it. And when Finn is like, he's like, I don't know my name. And the, the, the kid will say something about himself. And Finn's like, oh shit. Like, you're Bruce Yamada, or you're, you know, you're this other kid's name, and the kid will be like, if you say so, he's like, no, like, you fucking are. <laughs> like, and it's yeah. like, you know my name? He's like, every kid does. And I loved that, because yeah. it really showed, it really, it's a, it's a small line, but it really resonates with how much this was all in the news, yeah. and like how every, you know, every, you, if you were a kid, you would remember all their names. Like, the there's only been five. We, we all know everyone, you know, that's in their like 40s ish in, in Minnesota. Minnesota all knows Jacob Wetterling. They yep. all know his name. Or, honestly, everyone in America from a certain time knew about baby Jessica falling yeah, down the well. Right, yeah. Or like, I don't remember his last name, but that the kid who got uh, taken from the Toys R Us in Florida, his dad started the uh, crime, the big crime show that was like America's Most Wanted or oh, whatever. Yeah. Like a big part of that or Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. That was his. Mysteries. Because like his kid got taken. And that was how he decided to, he was like, that's not, I want that to never happen again. Yeah. It's really, it's really, it was, there's so many, like, I I don't want to make it sound like, because he's my friend, but also like, he's just such a fucking good writer and he's a really good screenplay writer in that there are these like lines that just seem small that just really say a lot. And it's really Mm -hmm. cool. It's really cool. So, um, favorite, favorite moment. Favorite moment. Favorite, favorite part, favorite aspect of the... Uh, I think my favorite moment was, uh, uh, so Gwen has her dollhouse where she keeps all her <laughs> all of her religious stuff and she pulls out like, it's like a rosary and a cross and like all these different religious things. And at one point she pulls them all out and just goes, what the fuck, Jesus? Like, she's just <laughs> like, and she's just like, for like, so what? For fuck's sake, you know, like, what am I supposed to fucking do here? And she just, her mouth was great, but also just her like, her exasperation with the cops, her exasperation with Jesus. No one is helping. Yeah. Like yeah. She wants a dream and she thinks they might as well be coming from Jesus. Cause you know, like, so Jesus, give me a dream. Where's my brother? <laughs> uh, funny story. And this, this relates to the two of you too. Uh, that line, as we're watching the movie, Karga's like, I wrote that for you, Tim. Hey. Hey. <laughs> That's great. And I'm like, Dude, like almost everybody in the room with us is an atheist. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> He's yeah. like, well, I, I kind of wrote it for all my atheist friends. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah, so he wrote great. it for you too. That's Aww. great. That's um, great. So, so, so that thought was there. Oh man, it's been a while. So I'm trying to think of a favorite yeah, yeah. song. You go, Nick. I, yeah, I. Uh, Molly already mentioned it, but I. There's so much to love, and my favorite moment is a comedic moment, and it is Gwen cussing out the the police oh, specifically. Yeah is so fierce so like there's no holding her back she's mm-hmm. absolutely ferocious what are they gonna do beat her she's already had that done by her father you know i, I feel like she these are the authority figures she can yell at right yeah absolutely right? Like she, so she, absolutely. she has to get it out you yeah. know and yeah really really great um that's my favorite thing from mm-hmm. from the movie mm-hmm. yeah uh it's hard to pick a scene because like i say it's been a right, little while right. since i've seen it i I kind of enjoy the fact that Grabber brings him food. Yeah. Like like, at, like the way he's trying to be friendly. And he genuinely, it seems like he is genuinely trying to be friendly. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm going to treat you so well until you fuck up. Or, or even like almost maybe he's dissociated where it's like, 
look, you have to be good because, boy, the other guy, he's a real yeah. problem. So, like, maybe eat your food. Like, and, they, and, they le- and he leaves the door open. And there's that thing that where trick. he goes up the stairs. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting in the kitchen. And he doesn't go around the corner. He goes back down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really, I, I like that moment because it's like, if he goes around that corner, he's fucked. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't. Yeah. I also like that they say this, uh, the room is soundproofed. Uh, like Ethan Hawke is like, you can scream all you want. The room is soundproofed. No one can hear you. Which normally is like, uh, okay, that's just a, it's a deus ex machina thing so that like the kid can't get found, right? But instead, the kid uses it to his advantage. Finn is like, cool. Soundproof means soundproof. Means he can't hear me doing all yeah. this shit, hitting the wall with a hat, you know, like digging in the floor, you know, breaking through and you know, pulling the that, bars, yeah. like all this noise that, you know, like that really, it was nice because a lot of times when it's like, oh, scream all you want, my beauty, it's soundproofed. And then it's just a person screaming right. like they didn't hear, like they were like, oh, so I guess we'll find out. You know, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, I really liked that. Is there one of like a, a a part you wish you'd, there was more of, or like a, a least favorite part, or anything like the that? The child abuse scene was hard for me. Yeah, the hitting her scene, I felt like it went on a little too long. I felt that way about the the other child abuse scene the with bullies. The, the bullies beating yeah. the shit out of Finney. Like yeah. they yeah. are like just kicking him mercilessly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel yeah. like it could have been like. 30 seconds shorter. Yeah, the screaming at her being like, say it. My dreams don't mean, oh. my dreams are just dreams. My yeah. dreams are just dreams. Yeah. And she's like, my dreams are just dreams. And like, and he's like just beating. It just, it, I, I'm glad it's, I get why it's in there. I do. But if yeah. I could pick something to reduce, it would be the kids getting abused. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, that's kind of the point of the film. But um, exactly. I think if there was something I, it's like, I understand why it's there again, but mm-hmm. it's like, the the dad seeming like he's he's going to be better at the end. It's oh like, yeah, yeah. You know, if that dude starts drinking again, right? It just gets bad again, right? Um, so it's like it's hard to believe. It's like I, I don't necessarily believe that yeah. these two kids are fine now, yeah. right? Um, that 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 kind of bugged me a little bit, and maybe maybe that's the you know there's always the knife twist at the end of the horror movie that sure. they, like oh they aren't really safe. Cause yeah, but, but it didn't feel that way. That's not what it felt like. What I told myself, my head cannon is, uh, so Finney is obviously going to get looked over by paramedics and doctors as a high profile, you know, uh, almost victim of this, you know, murderer. Right. Uh, and they're going to notice all the old injuries. Oh, sure. They're going to notice all, they're going to notice all the old bruises. They're going to be like, wait a minute, but some of these don't look, you've only been gone for three days. So I, that is my hope is that someone's going to examine this kid and be like, you want to talk about why you have three broken ribs and either the bully stuff will come out or his dad stuff will come out and, and he will get some help. That's hmm. my hope. All right. Well, let's 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 hope your head cannons run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, uh, let's hear it for the black phone. Uh, we have five answers from a listener. Yes, we have five answers from Scott Dickey. Hey, thanks, Scott. Hey. Yeah. And these are just these are some no nonsense answers. I have not. And I love it. The questions. So I love I'm the no nonsense answers, uh, Scott. Thank I'll start you. Start off with question number one. Yeah. What's a game you've played recently that you really enjoyed? Video game Starcraft Two. Board game Wingspan. Oh, I love Wingspan so much. I need much. to play it. We haven't played it yet. Oh, it's such a great game. I can't stop playing it. Yeah. Uh, what science fiction, what, what science fact or discovery do you think is really fucking cool? 
when the tides go in and out, it's really that the moon holds the water bulges stationary and the earth rotates under the bulges. Yeah, I know. That's kind of cool, isn't it? Isn't that awesome. cool? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, the, it's not that the moon is sucking the water back or pushing it forward. It's that the, the earth is rotating. And, and uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, question three. Uh, where do you get your sense of right and wrong from, since we know it isn't religion? I'm a thinking being that cares about people. Oh, it comes back to that. It's really the same answer the all the time. Again. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. It does, Weird. doesn't it? If you could build a robot to perfectly perform one chore or task for the rest of your life, what would you choose? This is an interesting answer. Secretarial work. Oh. oh. Yeah, like filing, typing, I guess. I'm really bad at filling at, like, out dictating. forms. Sending yeah. out emails and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah that's, right. that's an interesting that's idea. That's a good one. Yeah. And our, uh, our final one, uh, what's a TV or movie show you think, or movie or TV show you think <laughs> everyone should watch? Darren Brown's The Push. Oh God! Uh, and yeah. so Darren Brown is a is a mentalist. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the push is a special of his. Uh, it's on Netflix. Uh, I'm just pull. I'm trying to pull it that's, up to. Uh, I think that's the one that has um, Simon Pegg in one of the bits. Yes, I think you're right. Uh, and uh, uh, it, it there is actually a. Uh, there is a, a push to the edge. It looks like there might be a like a documentary about it almost. But yeah, it is uh, the push is uh, uh, one man is put through an elaborate series of social pressures. All oh no, this is different from what you're. Oh thinking sure, of. sure, yeah, yeah. So yeah. the push is it's a special reality television presentation. One man is put through an elaborate series of social pressures, all designed to see if a normal everyday guy can be pushed to kill. Oh, man. And so the main plot is uh, is uh, uh, Chris, a regular guy who's coming to a big event for a brand new charity as a networking opportunity. What he doesn't know is that everyone, guests, speakers, waitstaff, and valets, are actors playing out an elaborately planned and rehearsed plot to see if they can get Chris to commit murder. Huh. <laughs> and it's just a guy. And it's just a guy. And so, like, then it's 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 uh, and Darren Brown is is a uh, is an incredibly skilled mentalist, as Nick alluded to. He has a thing with that he did with Simon Pegg, where he's like, "I want you to write down what you want for your birthday, because your birthday is coming up. Write down what you want for your birthday and put it in this envelope." And then he's like, puts it in the envelope, and they and then like he he uh, asks him what he what did he what did you write down? He, he mind hacks. He mind hacks Simon him. Pegg. Into wanting a BMX bike instead of a leather jacket. Instead of a leather jacket, and like it's, it's it sounds weird, but it's, <laughs> it's, it is astonishingly cool. It's mentalism is right on that edge of like, like absolute conerist bullshit, and like super cool like handshake interrupts. If you've been you know, to a, legitimate, if, if you've been to a Penn and Teller show, you've seen that they they do some stuff they, where they does he does his cold reading trick, yes. yep. where he's like, I'm going to show you why cold reading is bullshit. I'm not psychic. Let's go. And he basically yeah. does psychic shit. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not psychic. I am tricking you. You know? And it's it's very cool. Yeah. I, I, I yeah, like... Uh, Darren Brown's great. Entertaining mentalism. That's awesome. Uh, if you want to send your answers to those questions into us, send them to questions at geekswithoutgod.com. Uh, if you include your address, we'll send you a Geeks Without God rainbow sticker. And, and uh, thank you for uh, helping us out. And uh, if you are one of our patron supporters... Mention that in the uh, subject of the email, and we'll bump you to the top of the queue just to prioritize you and, mm -hmm. and make sure you uh, you get your, your time with us. Um, we have our 10-year anniversary for the podcast coming up. Ten years, my right. God. Uh, we recorded our first episode 
basically like 10 years ago this week, I think, um, at, at Convergence. And this year we'll be back at Convergence on uh, August 13th on that's uh, Saturday at 12.30 p.m. We'll be recording a couple episodes live. You should come check us out if you have a membership to Convergence. Otherwise, you'll, you'll get to hear those uh, episodes like you do every year we record there. And anyone can get a membership to Convergence. There are still memberships available yeah. for purchase for 2022. There's no membership there's, cap. There's no membership cap. So if you want to, if you were uh, on the fence and this is uh, selling it on you, uh, the, uh, I think the the cost right now is like one twenty five. One twenty five, which yeah. it's a four day con. For, it's a yeah. pretty reasonable yep. price. Yep. And, and it's um, I, last I heard, uh, vaccine verification and masks required at the yep. con. Yes, at the con. that yep. is that's not going to change. I also, can speak from authority on that. Don't listen to your relatives. Minneapolis is fine. Yeah. It's safe. <laughs> it's clean. You won't get robbed. You we won't had, get carjacked. We had fewer. <laughs> mass shootings in Minneapolis over the last six months than they did in an affluent suburb of Chicago in yeah. the last Ooh. six months. Yeah. So honestly, and that's like, not again. a joke. That's just fucking the truth. <laughs> but uh, yeah, otherwise, um, you know, if, if you want to support us in another way, you can always become a patron and throw us a few bucks on, on Patreon. We've got, uh, you know, web hosting fees. We've got new recording equipment and all that is thanks to our uh, supporting listeners. We love you, supporting listeners. So thank you all very much. Uh, otherwise, we've been Geeks Without God, and we'll be back with another episode next week. Bye! Bye. Why isn't there a white phone? That's, that's all I'm saying. <sighs> we're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. Until next time, you can find us blogging and listen to past podcasts at geekswithoutgod.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at geekswithoutgod. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, geeks without God. Well, I mean, everything leading up to the ending was, well, you know, our standard ending. And then we ended it.